Some of you may remember the story that Paul Harvey shared years and years ago about a little 10-year-old boy who was walking down the alley and he was swinging this rusty old birdcage. You remember that story? So the boy is walking down the alley, he has this birdcage, and he's just jostling it about, and inside are these, these two little sparrows, and they're just getting bounced all over the place. And that kid is just as happy as if it were Christmas Day. And there's an older gentleman walking the other direction and saw the boy, and he looked so excited. And so he stopped the boy and he says, he said, son, what do you got in there? And so the boy set down this cage on a little step and says, I got me some birds over here. And he says, oh, that's great. He says, well, what are you going to do with them? And he says, ah, I don't know. I'm going I'm to keep them for a while and I'm going to have some fun with them. And the older gentleman said, oh, that's, that's great. So you're going to play with them and then let them out. And he says, no. I never said nothing about letting them out. I'm going to play with them for as long as I want, and then it gets real fun because I got some mean old cats at home. And after I get done with the birds, I'm going to set the cage down in my room, and I'm going to put the cats inside, and I'm going to close the door, and I'm going to open up that little bird cage. And those little birdies, they're either going to sit there and shake in that cage forever or they're going to try to get out and they may get out they may be fast enough but they can't stay away from my cats forever eventually they'll get tired of flying and they'll have to stop and that's when the cat will get them and that the older man said wow that's that's quite a plan you got but uh i got a plan too can can i can i buy these birds from you he says, why would you want to do that? These are just some dumb old field birds. They can't repeat what you say. They don't sing. They're worth nothing. They're as ugly as can be. But the man persisted. You know what? I think that makes me like them even more. I would love to buy the... How much would, would it take for me to buy the birds and the cage? And the boy stopped for a second, and his mind started thinking, and he blurted out, 20 bucks! And he was surprised when the man reached to his wallet, pulled out two $10 bills, and set them out. And before you knew it, that kid grabbed those 10 bucks and ran down the alley. And as he ran away from those birds, he was laughing. Because he knew he had just got the better end of that deal. And the man bent down and he opened up that cage and those little birds just cowered in the corner. And he bent down and he gently started tapping that rusty cage and they started hopping around and finally... They made it out one by one, through the door, hopped and just took off and flew away. And the man smiled and he realized that he's the one who got the better deal. Don't you love that story?
Don't you love the story of, of when people are rescued, whether it's, it's birds or individuals, there's just really something special about that. You know, last week, we started off by sharing a, a story of a, a figment of, of a guy named Joey and a gal named Lori. And Joey was a faithful husband, and Lori, she wasn't so much a faithful wife. And she wrote a letter and said that Joey was good for nothing, and she was leaving him. You remember that? And as I was telling that story, as I was reading that letter, the looks on your face is like, I just saw people, you, just, you got mad. Like, how dare she do something like that? Like, she's a terrible person. And then before we got done with the sermon, I basically said, hey guys, I just want you to know, we're all the lorries, right? We're the ones that have written the letter to God that says, you're just not good enough. Now, you may have never actually sat down and wrote that letter. You may have never verbalized those words, but in one way or another, when you chased the, the vacation, when you chase the career, when you chase the girl, when you chase the money, you basically said, God, you're just not enough. I can do better than you. I'm leaving you. Now, I don't want to just pick on you, but that's been the story from the very beginning. Not just us. From the very beginning, we've chosen other people right just this morning I was in the foyer and somebody showed me a, a little it's a great little story they said you know what if Adam and Eve uh, had been Cajuns and they were in the garden they said when they saw the snake they would have killed and eat the snake and left the apple alone and we'd all been better off <laughs> ain't that great but that's who we are. Like we've always just we've we've been lured away from God by Satan and his schemes and our own desires, and we get convinced that maybe we can do it better ourselves. And so this is the story of Hosea. And this is our story. This is the plight of all mankind, of God's creation, of, of, of men and women who find themselves walking away and being lured off to another place. And so last week, after reading that letter, we were left with just a few questions. The first question was, what? More of an exclamation, really, than a question. How in the world can you imagine that God would come to a faithful follower and say, I want you to marry a promiscuous woman? The second question we talked a little bit about is, how would that happen? What would that look like? And then the third question, and the really big question, is why? Why would God do that? And as we examined a little deeper in class, is that God was showing this analogy. He was allowing Hosea, a real person in real time, in a real place. He said, I want people to know how broken I feel when my people choose to follow something else. And so what I want to do for just a few more minutes is I, I want to go through Hosea. And if you thought the letter from Lori to Joey was tough, you just wait till we get into Hosea chapter 2. Listen, and, and this is not PG rated, but I'm reading it from the Bible, okay? 
So just, just get ready. This is, this is going to be a conversation that God is now, He's going to talk to Hosea. He says, say to your brothers, my people, and your sisters, my loved one. And this is what God's saying. He says, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert. Turn her in parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and she has conceived them in grace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. Thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. I just want to stop. and I want you to think about what God is saying. He's saying, you want to run away? You want to spend more time on social media than in the Word? That you'll have a two-hour conversation with somebody gossiping about whatever, but you can't stand to spend more than 30 seconds in conversation and prayer with me? Whenever you have a trouble or a struggle, you'll talk to all these people asking, what should I do, what should I do? But you won't stop and listen to where I'm leading you. That you will binge watch six hours of some TV show, but if the preacher goes more than 25 minutes, you're mad. Oh, I can't stay focused that long. That's craziness. Oh, yeah, I do want to watch another episode. Yeah. Right? And God says, okay, you want to do that? That's fine, but I'm going to block you. I'm going to set up a path, and I want you to know you're going to try to be satisfied by that, but you will never be satisfied. That's what God has been saying this whole time. You're never going to be satisfied. Never. No matter what it is you want, if God is not up at the top, you will never have a whatever this thing you think you want. You don't believe me? Pick up People magazine. Read the dysfunction and the heartbreak. These people who you think they have everything together. And their lives are falling apart. And they are never satisfied. Listen to this. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than I am now. Sounds a little bit like chapter 15 in the prodigal son. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and the gold which she used for Baal, for Baal. You get that? He's saying, I, I gave her all these gifts and she turned and gave them to another God. 
Therefore I will take away my grain when it ripens, and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days that she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but she forgot me, declares the Lord. And then it gets really, really weird. If you're reading along, we're now in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. This is not the direction that you would think that he would go. God is, is angry. He's jealous. He's, he's furious that, that the woman that he has loved, the woman that he has given his life to and protected her and loved her and just lavished her with all these gifts, she has turned away and gone to other lovers. And now listen to what he's going to do. Get ready for this. Therefore, I am now going to Allure her. I will lead her out into the wilderness. And what happens next? I know what you're thinking. It involves a shovel and a big hole. That's what you're thinking should happen next. Don't I just I want to stop for a second. Because I don't want you to you remember we talked about last week again about how mad you were. You were mad, I could see it on your faces. You're upset. Joey should get revenge. There's no way that he should have been treated the way he was treated. There's no way that you would advise your son to go chase after your daughter-in-law after she has been wildly unfaithful. And listen to this. He says, I'm going to lure her out into the wilderness and speak tenderly. To her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband, and no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bells from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that they may all lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love, in compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. 
I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one they called not loved. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. I love Hosea. I love this story because, guys, this is my story. And I think if you're completely honest, this is your story. Because all of us have been unfaithful. And I don't want to I don't want to rescue you too quickly. And neither did God. God allowed them to realize the hurt. He says, You want to chase after other people? Chase after them. I just want you to know you're never gonna be satisfied. But I'm gonna let you go. I I want you to know that like whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you're seeking. If it's not the Lord, it's just going to disappoint. I'm not saying this to be a killjoy. I'm not saying this because, oh, he just doesn't want us to have fun. I'm saying this because you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never find happiness. That job will never fill the purposes that you thought it would. It's just all, it's all going to disappoint all going to end and God says if that's what you want I'm going to let you do it but here's what I want you to know I am coming after you I shouldn't recommend this movie I don't know a whole lot about it but I remember there was one scene in it um, the, the movie is called Taken. I don't know if you, you remember that, but Liam Neeson is in that movie. His, his daughter has just been kidnapped. He picks up the phone and he hears the breathing of the kidnapper on the other end of the line. Do you remember this scene? Right? You, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen that scene somewhere. He says, he says, money I do not have, but what I do have is a unique set of skills. And I will come after you. I will hunt you down. Like, and I will kill you. Like, that was basically the premise of that whole movie. God picks up the phone after we have left. And he says, I want you to know that I have a unique set of skills. And I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to chase you. And when I get you, I'm going to adorn you with beautiful new clothes. And I'm going to call you my love. And we're not going to have a 12-hour lecture on all the people and all the things that you did wrong and how I'm never going to forgive you and I'm always going to hold that against you. He says, I'm just going to wipe that clean. I just want you back. And that's what Hosea really is. It's what the gospel really is. It's despite our brokenness, God is always chasing after us and He's wooing us back into a relationship. That's what He wants. And so, the second half of the story. Once upon a time, Jesus and the devil engaged negotiation. Satan 
was boasting, as he often does, about how he had trapped in a garden these dumb little people. How he lured them away. And for the first people in the garden, it was the fruit. But for all the other people outside of the garden, they had been lured away as well. And Jesus said, what are you going to do with those people that you have in your cage? And Satan said, I'm going to play with them. And I'm going to tease them. I'm going to make them marry and divorce. And they're going to fight and kill and hate. I'm going to teach them to throw bombs. And I'm just going to have fun with them. And Jesus says, well, you can't do that forever. What are you going to do after that? He says, I'm going to drown them in their own hate and their anger and their misery. They are worthless and they deserve to die. Jesus looked at Satan and said, would you be willing to sell them? And Satan said, you can't be serious. If I sell them to you, they'll be ungrateful. They'll spit on you. They'll hate you. They'll hit you. Then they'll hammer nails into you. Listen, they're no good. And Jesus said, I think that makes me love them even more. How much? And Satan said, you're an idiot. You want to save them? After they're dead, they'll ignore, after you're dead, they'll ignore you. They'll use your name as a punchline. They'll argue that you don't exist. And they'll come right back to me. And walk into this cage. And let me shut the door. And Jesus looked and said, how much? And Satan said, all of your tears and all of your heart and all of your blood. It's the price. Jesus picked up the cage. He paid the price. And he opened the door. And I just wonder... How many of us are still standing in an open cage with an open door thinking that we're not good enough to get out? We're still stuck with our brokenness. And Jesus says, I've already paid it. I've opened the door. I want you to walk out. I love my heritage. I love the people who raised me and taught me about obedience and sacrifice and worship. I know how we're never supposed to forsake the assembly. I know about having my assigned pew. 
I know what happens. When I was a kid, if, if you were too sick to go on Sunday morning, guess what? You didn't do anything after church. Like, boy, that, boy you, you knew that. That was drilled within you. And somewhere along the line, we started buying into this idea of we just need to do a little bit more. And then we can catch, you know, the bus to heaven and we'll be at the basement. You know, we're just glad that we just barely made it in. And God said, that's not at all what I've called you to. I've called you to a life of joy. And I have redeemed you. I've rescued you. Don't go back in that cage. Fly out and tell other people that they don't have to be in that cage either. It's the story of Hosea. It's the story of God's love for you. And it's the story that you need to start believing now. This is our story. Please come out of that cage and allow God to use you to glorify Him this morning. We say this every Sunday. And I know it's something we don't really do that much anymore, but I just, I really want to invite you, personally, each one of you, if you are stuck in that cage, if you don't know God loves you, any mistakes, I want you to know the price has already been paid. He wants you to experience that freedom of loving Him without the guilt of knowing that you failed Him. That He's calling you freedom and joy. So I'm going to invite you. Maybe you need to come forward and let other people know, I want to out of that cage. Maybe come forward and say, I'm out of that cage. You say, what I'm going through right now is, is a, a, a very uh, intense, private struggle, and I just don't feel like I can do that in front of everybody. You can come up later on, find myself, find one of the elders, find a, a, a Bible school teacher, the person sitting next to you, and say, I'm really struggling. And if somebody comes up to you and you don't know what to say, just say, you know what, I know what it's like. I will pray for you. And I will pray for you every day. And so as to as the church, we're opening up the doors. Let's, Jesus has opened up the doors. Let us walk out and let us praise God this morning as we stand and sing a song of invitation.